Welcome to Lakeside Church's message podcast. Our prayer is that you fall in love with Jesus, find your church family, live in freedom, and be active in your purpose. Let's join the message already in progress. Attitude, as you're just sitting in your seats, just close your eyes just for a second. That song is a beautiful song. It's been around for a while, but I want you just to close your eyes, and I want you just reflect on your life right now, and if there's anything you do need to surrender, we don't have to wait till the end of service. Maybe there's a bad attitude. Maybe there's a unforgiveness. Maybe there's a bad habit that you've been holding on to that, that you know you need to surrender. So prayer works. So just pray right there, right in your seat. You could pray softly where nobody else knows but you and Jesus. You say, Jesus, I surrender that bad attitude. I surrender that fear. I surrender my, sh- my, my shame and my guilt. I, I surrender. Just take a few minutes. It's more than a song. I, I, I surrender my shame. I, I surrender the issues with my spouse problems I've had with my children, my fear. I surrender the way I've been wasting money on things I shouldn't be wasting money on. I mean, there's so many things we could all list. And I challenge you now to surrender it to them and say, say, God, I give that to you. I can't do it on my own. I need your help. Just allow them to minister to Lakeside Church. Do you know the beautiful thing about Jesus? Is the second you make a mistake, He is ready to forgive. Sometimes we wait too long. We think that we he, He's waiting on something else. He's just waiting on us to recognize and to bring it to Him. So um, uh, we have a few announcements I want to cover, and we're going to do things a little bit differently today. So Caleb, come over here, because I I told you I wanted you to, to, to stand up here. The first announcement, and this is kind of a special thing. Hold this for me real quick. So a few weeks ago, we took a special offering for a brother in our church, Holden, who, who is uh, uh, not, not here this morning, um, and we sent it off. He was the one whose brother had brain cancer and went blind, and uh, his mother, who's been taking care of him, she sent us this card. And she said, please, please, please read it to the church. And so I wanted to see. It says thank you. It says thank you there on the front. So I'm going to read it to you and try not to, uh, try not to butcher it. But they say, because we don't know these people. They're just brothers of a brother in the Lord that we know. But we greet you in the Lord. She says, there is no card big enough, no sentiment great enough to express our gratitude for the love that you extended toward Joshua and the family. Depart in peace and be filled and warmed and do not rest and, um, I'm sorry, but you do not give them the things with which they needed for the body. What does that profit? She's quoting James 20:17. In other words, James talks about if you say, hey, we hope you feel better, but you don't do anything physically to actually help anybody, what does that profit? And then she goes on to say, Instead, as dear children, you demonstrated love, not merely with words or speech, but with actions and in the truth. And an emphasis on John 3.18, 1 John 3.18. We truly thank you, our brothers and sisters in Christ. God bless you. Janetta Moore, um, godly husband Anthony Moore, Joshua, and family. So, body of Christ, I want, to, I want to applaud you because we don't know them other than they are brothers in the Lord, and we stepped up to help people in another state that we didn't know. And I just want—I told her I would read that to you. So, 
can, can, I, can, can we give each other a hand, not to celebrate, but that's what a church should do. We should meet each other's needs. And so I promised her I would read that, so I'm going to give that over to my wife so it can make sure it goes somewhere so that we don't lose that. All right, a couple of the quick announcements that we need to make. Um, number one, if you are um, looking for a way to give to Lakeside Church, I feel no pressure to give. Giving, we believe in it, and we think that it is a powerful thing. But there is a box in the back. It's right over there by the back wall. It has our logo on it. Don't put it in the one without our logo, because that doesn't go to us. Harvest takes that money. So put it in the one with our logo on it, or you can give online. Most people do do it that way. You go to our website, or if you can give um, by text. Um, the thing that I'm the most excited about in our church, because it flows just with that letter, is we do have a food pantry. And every week, people bring in food. It's always different people, and we support the food pantry. And Miss Gail has been generous enough to make sure that it's a one-stop shop, that if you want to support the people in need in the community, you can bring it here to church on Sunday, and it will get to a group that will make sure it gets to the right places. The next announcement we have, I believe, is our hangout. We have a hangout on June 23rd. And it is a full hangout. There will be free pizza and wings from some of the best places in town. All right? So Shane, I'm sorry, Zane is going to be shopping around, making sure we get good stuff. And, and who, agree, who agrees that, Shane, that Zane knows how to throw a good party? Zane has been a gift to our church. And so we know he's going to do it. And he said something earlier, something about a candy bar buffet or something, Zane. Yeah. All right. He is just creative. That was Nicole's idea. All right, passing it off. So great job. Nicole, you guys are both blessings to our body. Another thing coming up is we have small groups coming up. And so, Caleb, I want you to give a quick blurb about that. Get involved in a small group. Now, um. I, uh, I hung out with, with some guys from the church uh, yesterday, and I hung out with some old friends of mine uh, yesterday, and we got together, and we had some fun, and we, we, I don't know what Tannerite is. You shoot it, and it blows up and makes a lot of noise. It's awesome. Anyway, so we had a lot of fun yesterday, but some of what we did is we got together, and we, yeah, I know, right? This is South Carolina, y'all. I don't know what to tell you, but, um, <laughs> you need a mic? <laughs> we had a lot of time to, um, get together and, and pray and, and, and talk and, and, you know, talk about some stuff we haven't had time to talk about in, in just years. And it was just so life-giving for me, so life-giving for some of the guys in that group. You know, I had a, had a friend of mine who was like, man, I've been dry for like four years. And we just got together and we prayed for that, um, that friend of mine. And it was just this huge blessing. You know, it's, it's, it's the beauty of small groups that you, you take people you know, in, in, in smaller groups that can be more intimate and you, you put them together and they just have the opportunity to love one another, to get to know one another, to, yes, sometimes come around a topic, but even just if you just get together with the people of, of the Lord um, and have that time together is a huge blessing. So this summer we've got some small groups coming up. A lot of the groups this summer are actually going to be just small get-togethers. You just come, you hang out. There's not necessarily an agenda. Um, and you And you, you know, have good, intimate conversation with people of the Lord. You get to know them better. So I, I invite you. We have some sign-ups out front. We'll be launching next week. Um, but there's some sign-ups outside. You can go sign up for a small group. You can look at it, take a picture on your phone, make your decisions. Um, but I encourage you to get involved in one of those this summer. They're, a lot of them are going to be very, very low-key, but they'll be, they'll be good for your soul, I promise. Very good. And thank you for mentioning the Tannerite, Caleb. We really appreciate that. It, it was a bachelor party, and so sometimes when guys get together, they do crazy things, all right? So it was, it was a lot of fun, though. Anyways, um, my wife and I will be hosting a small group. Our sign-up sheet is not out there. And just so you know what our small group will be, because everybody's summer schedule is different, it's basically just going to be like a small group party. We're going to do something once a month, and we're going to try to invite some people over and it's gonna, we're going to just need names, phone numbers, so that we can coordinate that. Just for fellowship, we just want to hang out with people. We're, we believe in relationship. Some time might be spent around the pool. Some time might be spent around praying with each other. It is not going to be our agenda. It's going to be the Lord's agenda, but it will not be a weekly thing. It will be a once a month, a few times, and then we'll roll into a regular season of small groups once the fall um, comes around. So 
We have been going through the book of Ephesians, and so I have some very special people that I'm going to invite up here to the front. Some of them are more nervous than others, so come on up here if you have been invited to the front. And if you notice in your handout, and if you don't have a handout, you can raise your hand, and I'm sure somebody can get you a handout. The book of Ephesians or the handout's kind of big, right? There's like a lot of stuff in there. And so we'll make sure we go. We're going to have Mandy and then Mike. I think we got it good. All right. So here's some hands up here, and we're going to make sure they get the things. Uh, I want you to understand something. One of the things that they did in the early church that we don't do enough of is sometimes they just read Scripture. Do you understand that Scripture is powerful enough? You don't need my comments on the Scriptures. There's a handout over here. And so I've looked at a couple of different topics that come out of Ephesians chapter 5 that I did not want to skip, but I just thought it would be good for us to read. And so I thought of some people in our church that represented these areas well. And so I want you, you can follow along on the screen, you can follow along in your paper and in your Bible. It is out of the Passion Translation, which is a little bit different, which will make it a little bit more, it's kind of more modern language. And I just want you to sit and listen to the Word of God, and I am very excited to do this. And thank you guys for being willing to do this. And so you can step over. Verse 22 through 24. For wives, this means being supportive to your husbands like you are tenderly devoted to our Lord. For the husband provides leadership for the wife, just as Christ provides leadership for his church, as the Savior and Reviver of the body. In the same way the church is devoted to Christ, let the the wives be devoted to their husbands in everything. And husbands, you are to demonstrate love for your wives with the same tender devotion that Christ demonstrated for us, his bride. For he died for us, sacrificing himself to make us holy and pure, cleansing us through the showers of the pure water of the word of God. Husbands, have the obligation of loving and caring for their wives in the same way they love and care for their own bodies. For to love your, love your wife is to love your own self. Children, if you want to be wise, listen to your parents and do what they tell you, and the Lord will help you. For the commandment, honor your father and your mother, was the first of the Ten Commandments with a promise attached. You will prosper and live a long, full life if you honor your parents. Fathers, don't exasperate your children, but raise them up with loving discipline and counsel that brings the revelation of our Lord. Those who are employed should listen to their employers and obey their instructions with great respect and honor. Serve them with humility in your hearts as though you were working for the master. Always do what is right, not only when others are watching, so that you may please Christ as his servants by doing his will. Serve your employers wholeheartedly and with love as though you were serving Christ and not men. Be assured that anything you do that is beautiful and excellent will be repaid by our Lord, whether you're an employee or an employer. And to the caretakers of the flock, I say, do what is right with your people by forgiving them when they offend you. For you know there is a master in heaven that shows no favoritism. You guys very much. Can we give them a hand? And let's leave that verse 9 up there because my hope is that there will be more caretakers of the flock risen up out of this group as you guys rise into the callings that God has given you. And I want you to get, look, look, just look at what God reminded them. Forgive them when they offend you. 
you're going to get offended. If you're going to lead anything in the house of God, you're going to get offended. And God's warning and God's encouragement is definitely, definitely to forgive them. But I appreciated that, and I just thought that those were verses that were so good that we did not want to just blow by them. But I want to spend a little bit of time on the other part of, um, of Ephesians, because we'll be a fi- a finishing Ephesians today, and it is also the day that we remember Pentecost. And if you know anything about, and to try to catch you up, when we started the book of Ephesians, I gave you the history of how the church in Ephesus started. And if you weren't here for that message, when Paul went to the city and he found a very small group of believers in a city of about 250,000 people, he asked them one question. He said, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? That was the question he asked them. The day of Pentecost is the day that the church remembers that the Holy Spirit was poured out on every believer. The Holy Spirit was not poured out on just the apostles. It wasn't poured out on just a select few. But that's the beauty of the gospel of Christ is that everyone who names the name of Christ, regardless of your background or where you came from or what you've went through, that every single one of us has access to the same Holy Spirit. And we celebrate and we remember the day of Pentecost Just like we remember Easter is the day that Christ paid for our sins and he died and he rose again and we are saved, Pentecost is a day that we remember the Holy Spirit is for us all. And as we go to the end of Ephesians, it talks a lot about that. And so that's where I wanted to spend my time. But I didn't want to skip that other stuff because that other stuff was good. Amen? And I hope you guys got some stuff out of that because that is... That is, that is just truth and wisdom. So now let's skip down um, to verse 10. And we're on page 3, and we're on verse 10 of chapter 6 of Ephesians. And I'm going to read along with you. And it says, Now, my beloved ones. Remember, these were the people that Paul had sat... What, you can't hear me? These were the people that Paul had sat with and taught with, and he said, Now, my beloved ones, the people that Paul loved, he said, I have saved the most important truths for last. In the ESV, it says, finally. In other words, he wrote all these great theological truths about being in Christ that we've covered, all these things of blessings. He talked about the body. We just read some lifestyle principles that we better get a handle on. But he says, finally, what I really want to get to is kind of what he started with when he asked that question, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? But let's go through this. It says, now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for you for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. The reason they put explosive power in there is because the word in Greek for power is dunamis. And the word dunamis is also where we get the word dynamite. And if you know anything about dynamite... um, It explodes. It blows stuff up. It's explosive. And God's power is explosive. And so I want to pull a few points. The first point that I want to pull up for you guys is that believers, let me me get down there, believers are meant to be infused with power. We have too many powerless believers. We have too many people that you come to church and you hear these things about like, children obey your parents and then we send children home and they have no power to do that we have these things about employees obey your bosses whether they're good or bad but you don't have any power to do that we have these verses about um, wives follow the leading of your husbands but there's no power to do that and the scripture is very clear clear believers believers That's all of us. If you believe in Christ, you're meant to be infused. Like it comes inside of you, you are infused with power. Um, And let me tell you something. When you have power, 
you feel power, all right? I don't know how you feel about guns, okay? If, if, if you're an anti-gun person, like, you got to love me anyway. Well, I grew up with guns. My dad took me shooting all the time. And so yesterday, um, I had shot my gun, and so I showed my boys how to clean a gun. Uh, we weren't doing anything dangerous, but I showed them how to oil it and how to take it apart, and it was perfectly safe. It was the same way my father trained me. Well, inside of my little box of toys, of things, I have a taser. And they were thrilled with the taser. They were way more interested in the taser than in the gun. And they said, Daddy, um, can, we, can we use it? And I said, guys, this, this, this is real. And they said, I know it's real. That's why we want to use it, Daddy. And I said, well, boys, can I tase Jason? Jeremy said, can I tase Jason? I said, no, you can't. You can't do that. That's not good. But, but what I did let them do, I said, I'll let you tase me. I've been tased before. It's, it's not like a police going to kill you, knock you out, give you a heart attack taser. It's a, it's, it's, it's a responsible thing. And so I let each of them take the taser, and I gave them very clear instructions. I said, what you are to do is you're going to push the button like this. If you hold the button and you hurt me, you're in trouble. But I'm going to let you take it, and you're going to go, and you're going to feel it. And then I got it. It didn't hurt. It wasn't a big deal. It's not a very powerful thing. And, but, but I promise you, each time they took the taser and they touched me and that power hit me, I felt it. And if you are not feeling the power of the Holy Spirit in your life, I think something's wrong. I'm not saying you're feeling it every minute, but this thing runs on two AAA batteries. And if I can feel power from two AAA batteries then you better be able to feel power from the life-giving life -giving spirit of the God who created the entire universe. That power better be in there. And believers are meant to be infused with power. The next thing I want you to put in there is that believers have been given power through their union with Christ. We have none of this power on our own. It's the fact, and you've got to think about what the whole gospel says. The gospel says that Christ died on the cross for our sins, that, that his blood was shed and our sins were covered, and then he was raised again so that we could be resurrected. But then the next part is, is that he ascended to the right hand to the Father, and he even told his disciples, he said, don't go anywhere. Don't even go start preaching this message until you are infused with power on high. Wait in Jerusalem until you receive the Holy Spirit. And it's through our union with Christ that where it comes with. We have some people that think that they have spiritual power. You ever watch those videos on the internet? I don't want to take too long, but there's some great videos that people that are not believers, they say that just with my, they call it chi or something, I don't know, just with my chi, I can stop your punch. They are hilarious. Please watch them. And this guy will be like, mm, and then some guy will walk up to him and just go, boom, and knock him flat on his back. And he's like, I just couldn't get it right. There was too much electricity in the air, all right? Let me tell you something. The Holy Spirit's not that way. This is power from God that comes into a life that doesn't deserve it. This is power from God that comes into a life that was cleansed by the blood of Christ and made new and born again and resurrected. And so when we talk about the Holy Spirit, it's an infusion that comes from our union with Christ. Number two, Christ's power, it should flow in and through us. I think this is where, where we really, really get off point because a lot of us will pray for Christ's power to change us, and we should. I'm not saying there's anything wrong with that. We got some stuff wrong with us. Uh, you ever looked in the mirror, like the spiritual mirror, and you're like, man, I'm a mess. God, please change me. We need the Holy Spirit's power to change us, but it's not just to flow into us and make us better people. The gospel is not just a self-help thing. It's a world help thing. So that same spirit that changes us should be flowing through us to impact other people. That's God's design. 
That's why he said, don't go anywhere. Don't go anywhere. Don't go preach this message, all right? They knew. Think about the original disciples. They had seen the risen Christ. He showed up and he let some of them, he let Thomas touch his wounds. They had faith. They believed. They saw him ascended up into heaven. And he said, Thomas, you've seen it. You believe it. You understand it. You get it. But don't you dare go anywhere until you get the Holy Spirit. It's powerful. There's an empowerment that is for every believer. And too many times we lay all these burdens and we're almost like Pharisees. Do this. Don't do this. But we forget the power aspect of what God has given us. The next thing I want to say is believers are empowered with the Spirit, but then again, we live like we're not. We live lives. I want you to think about this. If you're a believer in Christ, if you're a believer in Christ, and, and, and you are in union with the God of the universe, do you live your life like you really have a one-on-one -on -one connection, personal relationship with the God who created the stars and the sun and the elephants and the platypuses and everybody else around you? Do you live like you have that same power inside of you? Because you do. Or do you live like you're just hopeless, useless, unimportant, completely unable, full of shame and guilt person? That's not how God intended you to live. Shame and guilt taken care of on the cross. Useless, yes, we're all useless on our own. But when we're infused with the power of the Holy Spirit, no longer are we useless. We're capable of things that are far greater than we could do on our own. I want to keep going into these scriptures. Um, verse 11 of chapter 6 of Ephesians, it says, Put on God's complete set of armor provided for us. And you'll read this. It's a different translation. It'll sound a little bit different, but, but you, you'll get along with it. It says, so that you will be protected as you fight against the evil strategies of the accuser. Your hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with human beings, but with the highest principalities and authorities operating in rebellion under the heavenly realms. For they are powerful, they are a powerful class of demon gods and evil spirits that hold this dark world under, under bondage. One thing I want to point out, and I think this is true, and you can have an argument with me, this is something that I'm about 99% true. I'm pretty much convinced that every single weapon in this armor of God is a defensive weapon. And the reason I think it's all defensive weapon, because as I read my Bible, Jesus Christ won the victory. I don't have to win any victory. I just have to stand in the victory that Christ has won. Even the sword is a defensive weapon. I have a, I already told you, I have a gun. I have a gun in my house. It's not an offensive weapon. I'm not running around town robbing people trying to get stuff. That's in my house for protection. It is a defensive weapon. Even the sword. All of this is defensive because God has done so much for you, you just need to stand protected and rejoice in the victory that was already won on the cross and be empowered with the spirit that has already been poured out and given to you. But the enemy is going to come. So I, I believe that all the weapons are defensive. If you want to make a case that the sword of the spirit is an offensive weapon, we don't have to argue about that. We can be different on that. You know, hey, it's a sword. Do whatever you want with it. Um, the next thing. Don't blame people for problems when the enemy is behind them. That scripture said our hand-to-hand -hand combat is not with people. And this is something you got to get a hold of because this is spiritual warfare. Remember, Ephesus was a city built around a pagan temple. There was demonic activity all over this city. And you need to realize this or you're going to mess some stuff up. Is There's going to be times, and I'll use my wife, there's going to be times when you get in an argument with somebody and it has nothing to do with the other person. It is an assignment of the enemy. 
And you need to realize a lot of times you're not fighting the other person. You're fighting maybe the lies that you've believed, the lies that they've believed, the hurt that you're holding on to, all the stuff that the enemy who is powerful and who hates you and wants to break up your marriage or break up your children or break up your work life, whatever it is, he's come in there. And so when you go to war, you're not fighting that person. You, it's, it's not a person you're dealing with. It's a spiritual realm that you're dealing with. And that, if you look at it that way, you can have a little bit more grace because you might be able to say, hey, wait a second, me and Gerald are having problems. And God forbid I have problems with Gerald because Gerald could kick my butt and I ain't trying to go into hand-to-hand combat with Gerald. But if I notice that we're having problems, the best thing about it, I realize this is really a spiritual issue. The enemy is trying to come in here and cause division, and we need to have a conversation, and we need, we need to figure out how to invite the Holy Spirit into this relationship, because hand-to-hand combat, I'm lost. You'll see more. I'll be in like five back braces. But you go into it with your wife, and you think it's your wife's fault, or you think it's your husband's fault, or you think it's your co-worker's fault, when it's really the enemy. And let me tell you something. Some people who even name themselves believers, they have their ears um, turned more to the voice of the enemy than the voice of the Lord. And they come into your life, and they bring division, and they bring gossip, and they bring issues, and they're just tools of the enemy. You want to call him, he's just a tool. But he's not just a tool. He's a tool of the enemy that the enemy is using in your life. Let's keep going. Number three, uh, the spiritual realm is real. Some of you might not want to believe this, but it is. There's a spiritual realm. There, the, the, there is more real than we see. There are angels. There are demons. There are, there are principalities. There, there are things that are more real than what we see. It's real. It's hard to explain. I don't have the handbook. All right, I can't draw you a picture of what a demon looks like. I can tell you there's been experiences where, where, where I believe that I've seen demons. I mean, I'm not trying to spook you out. I know that there's been experiences where I've, I've done deliverance on people, and they've been, demons have left that person, and their whole lives have changed. It's a real deal. It, this is not fake. I'm not saying look for a demon behind every tree. I think a majority of the time, the demon just put lies in people's heads and people just start acting like idiots and, and he's up there playing, the, the enemy's up there playing like chess trying to get people to argue and fight rather than actual demonic possession. But we live in a spiritual realm and it is real. And that brings us to the next point is that demonic spirits, they are powerful and they are evil. They are powerful, and they are evil. And, and, and you've got to understand this. There are demonic spirits, and you can think I'm absolutely insane, but you're wrong. There are demonic spirits that are in this city right now that are actively engaged in trying to keep people away from God. They are actively engaged in trying to deceive people and make sure that their souls do not wind up with the Lord. They're trying to tie them up in worldly things and worldly lies, and, and we don't fight against flesh and blood, but, but there are demonic spirits. Some of y'all might have walked in with some of them on your shoulder. They try to keep people away, and they are powerful you cannot stand up against the demon. The book of Acts tells a great story. Go read it. The seven sons of Sceva. They tried to handle some demonic things on their own. And it's a really great story to read to your kids. I encourage you. I read to my kids the Bible every night before bedtime. And the reason that it's good is because these guys went and tried to, uh, tried to approach a spiritual demonic force on their own. And it says they left bloody and naked. And so it's really fun to read to kids because you're going to be like, they got their butts beat. 
Well, and not the naked part, but it's just fun to read about when people get beat up for not doing things the right way. My boys like those kind of stories because they don't want to get beat up. They want to know how to handle things the right way. All right, we're trying to teach them that. Let's keep going because I, I, I want to end, and I want to end with something very powerful today. Um, spiritual warfare, and this should be a given, but it requires spiritual power. But since we've already talked about that it is real and that there are real powerful demonic forces out there that hate you and that are against you and trying to do everything they can to keep you from do, uh, completing God's call, that's what they're doing for you. If you're a believer, they want to keep you inactive in the body of Christ. They want to make you a bench warmer. If they can make you a bench warmer, what's a bench warmer? A bench warmer is somebody who thinks they did a good thing because they came into church 1.9 Sundays a week, and they sat here, and they listened, and they kept a seat warm for about an hour, and they're doing good. But you're not making any impact for the kingdom. You've not gotten one soul changed You've not reached one, you've not changed one person's destiny. And they're trying to do that for you. And then for the people that don't believe, they're doing everything in the world they can to keep them from getting in touch with real Christians and real believers and, and locked in deception. So it requires real spiritual power. And because of that, the next point, they can only be overpowered by the Spirit of God. Jesus said, if I cast out demons, it means that the, the Spirit of God has come upon you. Yes, we, the, the name of Jesus, I'm not trying to take anything away from the name of Jesus. Don't, don't, don't dig into my theology too much, but I'm telling you when, you, when you say in the name of Jesus, I, I, I take authority over this situation, don't think the Holy Spirit is taking a back seat. All right? God works together. The Holy Spirit is the, one of the, the agent through which God works, and, and, and how it all works, I don't know, because it's, it's there, but I know that they can only be overpowered by the Spirit of God inside God's people. And the point I want to put in there, and this goes into why I think that they are all defensive weapons, is, is all of us should fight from victory. You should not fight for victory. Because let me tell you something, Jesus Christ died for every person in this city. Jesus died for every single person in Red Bank and Gilbert. Jesus Christ died for every single person in Irmo and in Columbia. And he loves them. And he's, he, he came up with a plan of creating an army of men and women filled with his spirit who could go bring the light of the gospel and who could preach and teach the truth of what happened on the cross and explain it. And you could say, you know what, I, I talked to somebody yesterday and he said, the guy made the comment, he's like, I'm the dumbest one here. The beauty about the Holy Spirit, you could be the dumbest one in the room. But that just gives the Holy Spirit the chance to show off. Because you could be the dumbest one in the, Holy, the room, and then all of a sudden the Holy Spirit shows up, and you are making point after point after revelation after revelation and after revelation. And in fact, if you have that attitude that you're just not smart enough, and you're just not good enough, and you just can't do it on your own, then you are probably a more open vessel for the Holy Spirit than somebody that thinks that they can do it on their own. And we're going to move through this because we're going to be closing kind of soon. A couple more verses I want to go through. Um, it says, put on belt, or put on truth as a belt to strengthen you as you stand in triumph. That's your call to triumph. Put on holiness as a protective armor that covers your heart. Stand on your feet alert, and then you'll always be ready to share the blessings of the message of peace. In every battle, take faith as your wraparound shield, for it is able to extinguish the blazing arrows coming at you from the evil one. 17 and 18. Embrace the power of salvation's full deliverance. God did a lot for you. Get it all. Get all that Jesus died for you to have. Don't be satisfied with just a taste. Go all in with Jesus. Stop just putting your foot in the water. 
jump into the pool. Some of us treat Jesus like I treat the pool. We go to the pool with my kids. I'm like, baby, I'll just sit here, put my foot in, and I'll just watch you. Little kids, they're like, woo, backflips in the deep end, underwater. Jesus said something, no one can come into the kingdom of heaven unless they come like a child. We have to dive all the way in, just like children do. Embrace the, the helmet to protect your thoughts from lies, because lies will come. Falsehood would come. That's why we talked about before why we need teachers. And take the mighty, razor-sharp spirit sword of the spoken word of God. Pray passionately in the spirit as you constantly intercede with every form of prayer at all times. Pray the blessings of God upon all believers. I know I'm taking a little bit more time, but if we really believe prayer worked, I think we do it more and act like it worked. In August, we're going to have 21 days of prayer. That's 21 days of prayer where we're going to ask as many people as possible. I would love for it to be you, your friends, your neighbors, people that go to other churches and spend time in prayer for this community, for salvation to break through, for our lives to be transformed. And the Bible says, constantly intercede. Can you? Eh, no judgment. No judgment. But when the word says constantly intercede, does that define your prayer life? When it says, no, no judgment, especially if you're just starting out with this Christian thing, let's take it slow. Let's, let's figure it out. But also, let's jump all the way in. Does constantly intercede, does that describe your prayer life? Are you constantly interceding for me? Every time you think about something that I could and should be doing better, are you interceding for me or are you gossiping about me? Every time you're upset about your wife or your husband, are you interceding for them or are you complaining about them? Every time you think about your, your lost son or daughter who has fallen away from the Lord, are, are you worrying or are you interceding before the throne of God? Every time you think about Lakeside Church, are you interceding and praying that God would bring people here whose lives could get changed and their souls could get saved? Constantly intercede. Pray at all times. Truth. So we'll go, through these, we'll go through these really quickly and we're going to end. Truth. Well, what is truth? The, the easiest way I think I can explain it. Truth is knowing God's word because God's word is truth. And you better know that thing. And that's why we get in small groups. This small groups, we're going to have some groups centered around fellowship. But in the fall, we're going to have some fall, small groups fall, centered around growing in the knowledge of the word. You better know this stuff. You better know the truth. Standing at alert, knowing that you're at war. I want you to know this. Everything the enemy that he can throw at you to keep you from making a difference in eternity, he's throwing it at you. Everything he can do to keep you uninvolved and unengaged in God's work. Be at alert. Recognize it's coming. Holiness and righteousness. I think that it's a two-part thing. Number one, I think it's the righteousness that we're given in Christ, but I also think it's living the way he taught. I think that we are definitely clothed with, with Christ's righteousness, but those stuff that those people just read up here about wives, husbands, children, employees, employers, you know, don't count that out. Don't expect to have spiritual victory and be living this victorious life and you're ripping off your employer by disappearing for two or three hours every day. And then when you lose your job, blame the devil. That was your bad. You still love me? Um, um, faith. That's trusting that Christ is enough. Do you have full faith that Christ is enough? Do you have full faith that Christ is enough? Do you have full faith that if you were filled with God's Spirit, that it was enough? That if he called you to stop and share the gospel with a complete stranger, do you have enough faith in your heart that you could walk up to somebody and you could say, you know what, I don't know you, I just have this intense, intense thing. I, I believe in Jesus and I think Jesus wants 
wants you to know that he loves you desperately. And, and, I, and I just got to tell you how much he loves you and what he's done on the cross for you. Do you have faith that Jesus is strong enough in you that that could happen? You should. Salvation. Salvation is receiving the life-changing gift that he's already given us. God has already done it. We just need to receive it and allow it to work and change in our lives. The Spirit and the Word. That's knowing what God said, being experts in the Bible, knowing what God said is key, but then knowing what God's saying. Having an ear to what God is saying to you. What do you need to get involved in? How is He leading you at the moment? Because the enemy wants to keep you uninvolved and God is probably trying to give you um, some direction in your life. In fact, if God is real and he's relational, do you think he might talk to you once in a while? Do you think he might give you some direction? And the last thing we're going to end with is prayer. And the most simple way that I could put through prayer is being humble enough to ask for help. The reason why I think that people don't pray is sometimes it's faith and sometimes it's pride. We think, I got to fix this. But if you notice, and I'm not trying to brag, but I know that when I came to Christ, when Chris came to Christ and Chris had to, to lay his life down, and even though my back hurts and you've seen me do this before, I had to get down on my knees and I didn't even feel humble enough on my knees. I had to get down on my face. And I'm not saying you need to do this. And I just had back surgery, so don't think that this is comfortable. But there was something about putting my face on the ground and humbling myself before God and saying, God, you've never left me, but I have left you. Please forgive me. And so when I pray, sometimes I might do that. I ain't trying to make that a rule that you need to get down on your face to pray. Some of you might have had back surgery, and that's not good for you to do stuff like that. But is there humility in your prayer? Or is it just a laundry list? So I wanted to go through this stuff because I think all this stuff flows into power. But let's go back up into the verse that really set me off today. Verse 10. It's slide 15, verse 10. Rhonda, you can come up. It says, Now, my beloved ones, I have saved these most important truths for last. Be supernaturally infused with strength through your life union with the Lord Jesus. Stand victorious with the force of his explosive power flowing in and through you. My prayer all week, and I can't make this happen, but my prayer before I even moved here was that there would be a group of people that were filled with the life-changing power of Jesus Christ, that it flowed in and through them. What I'm going to give you guys an opportunity now is because this is personal. Rhonda's going to play some music. If you're able to, I'm going to invite you to stand. But the very earliest pictures of, of the earliest Christians raising their hands... an attitude of emptiness and saying, God, I, I just want more of you. And so we have no agenda other than for those of you who would like some more power in your life to have the opportunity right now to allow the Holy Spirit to come and to touch your life. 
nobody is going to come and pray for you. We're going to play some music. And I'm going to invite you to stand right now. And if you would like more of God's supernatural power in your life to help you in the way you live and in the way you minister to others, uh, I think back to that early church pictures I saw. And if, if you're brave enough, you don't have to. I'm not telling you what to do. But just put your hands like this very simply. Close your eyes. And just trust that God hears your prayer right now. And as the music begins to play, you may want to pray. You may feel something in your body. You may feel nothing in your body. There's been times that the Holy Spirit has hit me and it felt like a thousand jolts of electricity. And there's been times that it felt like nothing happened. But I know it did. So we're going to take a few minutes just to allow you to receive from the Lord. This is your time. Father God, I pray for an infilling, for an infusing. As we remember the day of Pentecost and the gift that you gave to the church. As we remember the first question you asked the Paul asked the Ephesians, did you receive the Holy Spirit when you believed? And how he ends the chapter reminding them about the most important part. I pray that everyone in this room would be full and infused with life-changing power of the Holy Spirit. So we're going to take a few minutes and we're just going to sit nice silence and be sensitive because the Holy Spirit's going to do something for some people in here right now. If you're hungry, the Holy Spirit's going to do something for you right now. Hey guys, I'm Bob. <laughs> <laughs>